You're listening to Outlandish Outcasts at outlandishoutcasts.com. Welcome to Outlandish Outcasts. I'm your host, Al. With me, as always, is the lovely lady, Desiree, like sitting over there mocking me or something. I don't know. Anyway, how are you doing tonight, Desi? <laughs> Feeling good. <laughs> Feeling good. Me too. Me too. Feeling That's why good. I was like, lovely. We're past lovely. lovely. I don't know. I'm drunk. I can't tell you if you're That's lovely That's what I or meant. Not. I'm past that. But I'm drunk. I can't tell. I don't know that you're past that. I'm drunk. <laughs> I'm giving him the stare with the blinking eyes like you're joking, right? Yeah. Whatever. 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 You just know I've had a couple. I know you've had a couple. So, so therefore, I'm past lovely. Oh, okay. Well, you're no longer lovely. It's You probably should shower and go to bed. Oh, well, we have to record an episode, so you can't shower and go to bed. Oh, oh, my apologies. I mean, unless you want to do this in the shower, that'd be kind of weird. But, I mean, we've got a portable recorder. <laughs> um, no, thanks. Okay. Anyway, I think I'm going to start this one off. Okay. Um, You know, back to the Unsolved Mysteries kick. Got to keep them going. Oh, okay. So, um, and I'm, I'm like, this one's a little little bit of a downer Ugh, not super downer, downer not a super downer but it's definitely not an uplifting story way to go alan so my story is about a 39 year old man named chuck morgan okay he is a successful business businessman he's a president of his own escrow company um and he's also the potential witness in a state land fraud case involving a known crime boss okay on March 22nd, 1977, he left his Tucson, Arizona home uh, to drive his two daughters to school. He dropped them off at school and vanished. I don't think he vanished. Well, probably not. He probably didn't vanish, but he... he probably knows what happened. He disappeared. <laughs> Three days later, he showed back up at oh his house. Oh, my God. <laughs> What is it with you and these stories? Uh, according to his wife, Ruth, he was missing a shoe. He had a zip tie around one of his ankles. His hands were also tied together with Liar. zip ties. Liar! He ran off with his mistress and he came back. Mm. Ma- okay. He could not speak. He put his finger up at he me He said like, he Shh. couldn't speak. Mm-hmm. So she gave him a pen and a piece of paper. And mm-hmm. he wrote down that he had been kidnapped and mm-hmm. tortured. Liar. He also wrote that they had placed a hallucinogenic drug and painted it on his throat. And that if taken all at once would drive him insane and could kill him. So that's why he's not talking. He doesn't want to produce any saliva. He's like really freaking out about this. Um, He asked Ruth to move his car because he didn't want anybody to know that he was at home. Um, And so for the next week or so, Ruth nurses him back to health. Liar. He, uh, He's dehydrated from the affair. After his kidnapping, um, he became paranoid. Okay. Uh, began wearing a bulletproof vest everywhere. Um, drove his daughters to and from school. He informed the school that nobody else is allowed to pick him up. On June 7th, which is two months after his disappearance, or whatever you want to call it, Chuck vanished again. Mm-hmm. 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 He, uh, shortly before his second disappearance, he told his father that if anything was to happen to me, um, there was a letter that he had written that would tell him, tell his family and the authorities who was responsible for it. That letter was never found. Nine days after he disappeared, uh, a woman called his wife. Mm-hmm. And on the phone, she just said, Chuck is all right. Ecclesiastics, chapter 12, verse 1 through 8. And then she hung up. So a Bible verse. Bible verse. That Bible verse is, uh, Men are afraid of a high place and of terrors on the road. Remember him before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. That so is the Bible. She was going to kill him. Maybe, maybe. Mm. Two days later, 
Chuck was found shot to death. Mm-hmm. Um, he was wearing a bulletproof vest, but his body was found in the desert, 30 feet off the highway in San Juan Springs, Arizona. Shot once in the back of the head with a bullet from his own 357 Magnum. Uh, that gun was also was lying beside him. There were no fingerprints on the gun. Um, in his car, they found a note that had directions to where he was currently. Uh, they found several other weapons and ammunition, a CB radio, and one of his teeth was wrapped up in a white handkerchief in the back seat of the car. And pinned to his underwear was a $2 bill. Written on that $2 bill were seven Spanish names, and it also stated Ecclesiastics chapter 1, verse 1 through 8. Written weird. on the bill. Yeah, I thought that was kind of kind of weird. So um, what are the Spanish names? I don't have the names in front of me. I did read them earlier. They don't really pertain to any... I mean, they may pertain to something in the story because this well, is an I unsolved would, mystery. I would assume but I don't, they pertain to whoever... They, they could. I don't have them in front of me. I'm not sure. Um, there was also a map writ, uh, drawn on the $2 bill. And it was a map running from uh, the Mexican border to Tucson in a couple of spots in between. And this was a known like drug running area. So they were assuming maybe that it was a drug-running thing. Um, shortly after his death, his car was impounded, of course, because they're going to investigate it. Mm-hmm. It got broken. The car got broken, into. Uh, well, it was in police possession. And it was, like, totally tore up. His office was broken, into and ransacked. Uh, two men stating they were with the FBI... <laughs> showed up at his house, told his wife they're with the FBI. She didn't really believe them, but they ransacked the house. She then called the FBI, and the FBI had never heard of her husband, so I'm guessing they were not FBI agents. Weird. But I'm not sure. Um, one thing I forgot to mention earlier, when Chuck came back from his first disappearance, he had told his wife that he'd worked for the Secret Service secretly. <laughs> I don't know if he did. That's just what he told her. Okay. So I can imagine what's going through her head with, you know, people from the FBI showing up and all this weird stuff going on. I'd be like, liar. Yeah. I would be going, something's going on. Yeah. So at that point, that is really all the facts that are in the case. Where did they live again? Tucson, Arizona. So nowhere near Roswell. No. Yeah. No. No. Liar. (laughs) Anyway, he uh, the the police after the investigation they determined and ruled it a suicide. Mm, liars. <laughs> now, I don't understand. I mean, I understand he was shot in the back of the head with his own gun. I get that, but there's no prints on the gun. There's they all this other. Off, we- there's clearly. all this other weird stuff there. Like, <laughs> I highly, Somebody highly doubt he killed himself. Did it? They but. just. Close the case. They closed that exact. That's exactly what happened. They determined it a suicide. Closed the case. On they didn't want to deal with it. They knew exactly what was going yeah. on. I have no clue what was going on, but on it's in an area where it's probably something they see a lot of, yep. and they know, and they're just not going to go there. On February seventh, nineteen ninety, Unsolved Mysteries aired an episode that covered Chuck. Covered covered this guy. Um, the journalist who actually did the research for Unsolved Mysteries, his name was Don Devereaux. And there was a bunch of like information coming in after Unsolved Mysteries, and it was not exactly good information about Chuck. Um, <laughs> according to a lot of tips that came in, he was into a lot of shady stuff, a lot of uh, smuggling of drugs, smuggling of money, smuggling of gold. He was into a lot of that kind of stuff in the area. It's something a lot of people called in about. So, guessing he was paired up with some not too great people. You know, there were rumors he worked with. If the he mob, wasn't cheating, like it that. was drug dealing. Yeah. So, they air the episode, and Don Devereaux gets all this other information about him, and he's pretty sure after doing this research that somebody obviously killed him. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sorry. I just hearing the story yeah. as it is. I know somebody else killed him. So 
three months after the broadcast aired, Doug Johnson, who looks almost identical to Don Devereaux, was found shot to death in his car outside of his office that he worked at in Phoenix. Okay, that's weird. His car is the same kind of car that Don Devereaux drives, and Don Devereaux lives across the street from where he was shot. Don Devereaux is convinced that 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 bullet was meant for him for researching this guy's case and being very public about it and going on unsolved mysteries with it and all that. So that was his first thought is like, you know, here's this guy who looks a lot like me, drives the same car I do across the street from me, shows up dead in his car, shot once behind the ear, the same way Chuck died. Um, And the last little twist of the story uh, a year after Doug was murdered, um, Don Devereaux was contacted by a writer from Washington, D.C. named Danny Casarlo. And Danny was looking for information about um, Chuck's illegal gold transactions. Um, Don said, sure, I'll share it with you. And the next day, Danny turned up Legal gold dead. transactions? Danny turned up dead the next day. Legal gold. Illegal gold transactions. He was into gold smuggling. So, and of course, both Doug Johnson and this new Danny, who are now dead, their deaths were both ruled with suicide. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Danny's death was a, it was a suicide in his bathtub. He slid his wrists. This is almost like. He slid his wrists 14 times. Mm Mm-hmm. His brother's a doctor. I mean, that could no, I'm not happen. saying it couldn't happen. His brother's a doctor, and he says, My brother is so squeamish, I can't give him a shot, much less have him slit his wrist. If you're determined, <laughs> you're determined. I, I'm not saying it's not possible, but I don't think any of these people I don't killed think it's themselves. Possible. <laughs> but if you're determined, you're determined. Yeah, I don't think any of these people killed themselves. I think somebody wants something hidden and does not want information out. And literally, 20, almost 20 years later, they were still killing people for it. This is where I was telling you earlier today. Uh, when we were talking, I was like, I'm not big on conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Yeah. However, you know, some of these crazy people that are like conspiracy theorists, mm-hmm. some of them, not all, some of them, you know, are not too far off of it. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Because stuff like this happens and it's like, yeah, it could be a coincidence, but seriously, yeah, probably let's not. think about it. Like I could see two. Mm, three is kind of pushing it yeah a little bit but a few other things we've seen where it's more than that and it's like you're joking right you're supposed to make me believe that this is just a coincidence yeah not likely yep 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 so that was my first story chuck morgan and his really weird disappearance and death and yeah who knows who did it somebody did it well and since you know they you know, seem to go after a journalist covering it. I would just like to know if anybody's listening to this. I'm never going to look into the story again. I'm I done. could care less. <laughs> it's like half the stuff we throw out there. Believe it if you want. Yep. So. It's what it is. Okay, so my next, or my first story, not next. Uh, Von Trapp family. Von Trapp. Is that what you said? Okay. Mm-hmm. You know who they are? I don't you know. You know who they are? I might. Sound of Music. Okay. Okay. So it's based on a true story. Really? What? You uh, never knew that? I guess I didn't, no. Okay. Watching it, though, I just kind of portrayed the whole story way different. Like, what you see is sometimes what you think that's... Mm-hmm. Like, it might be a little different, but how far different? Yeah way different so it's gonna be a little long story however i i think it's kind of interesting especially if you've seen the Mm -hmm. sound of music and from my take on it i thought that they were part of the nazis okay i thought i have no idea i don't know anything like him the guy Mm -hmm. like i thought he was part of that army maybe maybe I i don't know i don't know either that's just kind of when I was younger, the take I got, somebody explaining it to me, and I just was like, mm-hmm. huh? So, 
Uh, George was a proud Navy captain. He was born in Austria uh, as an aristocrat. George Von Trapp, Von Trapp grew up uh, nationalist on nationalist values. He joined the Navy as soon as he could. He worked diligently, uh, obeyed orders. He was just one of those Sounds like clean cut was, guys. I mean, nationalist, that would be the way you were thinking. What? Keep going. Uh, when World War One engulfed uh, Europe in 1914, he rushed to the Austrian sea coast to clear it from the enemy ships, mm-hmm. and he did his job well. And when the war ended, he had given the highest military honors and was considered a naval uh, naval hero. Okay. No honors could be soothed the devastating feelings he felt as his country was forced to surrender at the end of 1918, uh, Austria was crushed. Mm -hmm. So Austria had surrendered its coastline and it surrendered its Navy and there was no use for people like George anymore. So George was out of work. Luckily for him, he had married Agatha, uh, a woman born to an enormous wealthy family. Okay. So she had inherited a huge fortune and neither she nor George had to work when the war had ended. They led a comfortable life, quiet life, um, with their seaside villa that with their seven kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but the quiet didn't last for very long because in 1922, she died of scarlet fever. Mm-hmm. So it left George to tend to their seven children on his own. Holy cow. So um, George had his kids moved away from the seaside villa to a new home in Salzburg. And um, their new location didn't help, actually. I think he was trying to help the kids because they were depressed. They mm-hmm. met their mom. Yeah, I can imagine Trying that to get really in out of a house with all those memories. Yeah. So the Von Trapp second oldest daughter, Maria, also known as Mitzi, told interviewers um, on this, that the pain was very deep. So mm. the family did try to keep it together f- for four tough years until one day a young woman named Maria um, Augusta Kichira, <laughs> whatever, Kay. came along and changed their lives forever. She was a new governess who had been sent as help from the local, local uh, convent. Um, so Maria... Moved in with the Von Trapps, as we know from the sound mm-hmm. of music. Um, it came with hesitation for her, though. She was 21. She wanted to become a num- nun <laughs> and live her life within the walls of Nonberg Abbey. Um, it was one of the places, pl- one place that took her in when she was treated, when she wasn't treated well throughout her life. So, okay. um her kind of backstory is when she was an infant, her mom died of uh, pneumonia. Her dad abandoned her, leaving her with her uncle who would beat her regardless of her behavior. So okay. she was highly abused. Yeah, um, that's no fun. So she found uh, the convent was a safe space for her uh, just to be herself, mm-hmm. her real self, um, regardless of thoughts anything and with the church you know being able to confess your sins and all that and you're not being beat for that Mm -hmm. um so she was sent because it was god's will she was kind of not like the nuns the nuns were quiet they studied she was loud and disruptive and was outside Mm -hmm. and trying to just be herself yeah um the the head nun had told her God's will that she needs to go to this family and help. Okay. So <laughs> they just wanted to get rid of her. <laughs> they did. <laughs> they didn't tell her that. But reading through this, that they did. Okay. So the villa was like anything she had ever known. The Von Trapps were living in a life of wealth and luxury where, as Marie, uh, at her best, gathering some pennies to buy herself a dress. So when she came into the house, um, they didn't know what to do with her. She had a horrible dress on, Mitzi. Von Trapp chuckled. 
um, she's doing a live interview through this reading with A and E. Okay. So, um, but very soon she they took her because she sang lots of songs, so they liked her because of it. All okay. the kids. So Marie, l- she brought the light and gl- to the gloomy family. Um, the children. She took the children on long bike rides, hikes. Um, they were always singing. Um, and the kids were made um, for each other. Her and the kids were made for each other. Even George seemed to be a little bit happier with her, which mm. in the movie, when I think about it, he did seem to be a little mm-hmm. bit happier with her around instead of the grumpy old man mm-hmm. he was. I mean, it makes sense to have a little something else something new something that's obviously making your children happy is going to make you a little more happy exactly things like that so uh marie was nothing like george's first wife agatha uh she was polite soft while marie was irresponsible and had a very short temper which we didn't see that that was george Mm -hmm. in the in the movie that i grew up knowing Mm -hmm. um when she would get all riled up, she would stand at the top of the stairs and yell. Um, fights often involved slammed doors, objects being thrown around in chaos. Not <laughs> something that I would think mm-hmm. when knowing their story. Yeah. So, so after a decade of comfortable living, the Van Trapp's uh, financial situation came crushing down. In the fall of 1932, the banks had failed, which we knew Mm -hmm. with history, with the Depression. Um, And with them, the family savings, their wealth had gone. It was gone. So George struck with fear, froze in place. Maria pushed on. There was no time for the self-pity. So she dismissed most of the servants, crammed the whole family into the third floor, rented the rest of the rooms Hmm. to students, priests. Um, this proved to be a life-changing move because every time the Von Trapps sang around the house, now they had a live audience yeah. on top of it. So one of the priests renting the room in their home, he was an amateur musician, and with Maria's approval, he became the children's musical director, spiritual mm. leader. He orchestrated morning prayer and all that fun stuff. So before the Von Trapps began to sound like an actual choir, um, one of her family or the family friends um, got the idea of, gave Maria the idea of performing for an audience in hopes of earning some sort of cash. Okay. Yeah. Trying to turn it into a little business there. Like the Partridge family, kind of. So... Uh, Maria enrolled in a local singing contest, and they became the Salzburg's Trap Cho- Choir. Hmm. Uh, they did win first place, and with that, their cre- career just launched. So getting more offers um, than they could find time for. So George was an elite-ism, saying that wrong, but belief in the elite status. Okay. <laughs> Wouldn't allow him to come to terms for his kids' new profession. Money wasn't something you worked for, he believed. <laughs> you simply had it. Oh, boy. I yeah. had to read that just because I was like, boy, <laughs> I wish I grew up feeling yeah, like that. That would be nice. <laughs> no, you don't work. Yeah, work? What's that? <laughs> you, you That's for those people over are there. are giving this money. <laughs> like, what? Okay. But times were changing, and the Van Traps needed to make a living somehow, so music it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, they refused. I'm not going to say that. That gives off the ending here. Yeah. So in 1937, uh, Salzburg's Trap Choir, they had sent for their first uh, European tour. They performed in front of kings, queens, popes, um, out of all the people the Von Trapps were invited to sing for, one in particular was Adolf Hitler. Mm. Um, by the time that they had received his invite, he had invaded Austria, announcing mm. um, anyways, <laughs> he took over yep. Austria. Yep. So George wasn't happy, and he politely turned down the invite. 
I don't know how you politely turned down that invite. That would be an interesting invite to turn down, that's for sure. Well, he might have been scared out of his mind to be like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, George is somebody who's in, you know, at one point in his life was in the Austrian army. Like, literally, you he don't. saw his army fall. Like, what are you going to do? You're not going to go stand in right. front of the enemy who just took you over and perform for them. Right. So. Rather than remain under Nazi rule, George took the entire family on a journey across the world. The kids packed one small suitcase, and together they said farewell farewell to their beloved home in Salzburg, and they marched to the train station and boarded a ride to Italy. So there was no dramatic climb over the Alps, like in the movies. So uh, from Italy, they crossed over to London. From London, they set across the Atlantic. All the way to the U.S. I should have said they boarded the Titanic. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) The trip ate away um, all of their savings, leaving them practically penniless when they set foot in New York. And not only that, but the Von Trapps were treated as illegal immigrants and were sent straight away to the Ellis Islands, New York's Immigration Inspection Center. Um it only took three days, and they were let off. Yeah, so. well, I mean, back then we were very. I just think it's crazy they were in the U.S. Though. Yeah, I, I had no idea. I had no idea. No clue. So I was like, "What?" Yeah. So the Ellis Islands, though, crazy. Yeah. Like, um, so Maria instantly arranged a number of concert dates, but the Von Trapps weren't an immediate hit in America like they were back in Europe. The crowd wasn't uh, connecting to their holy-than-thou churchy image. Mm. So what changed all that, though, was one little fly uh, that had found its way to Marie's throat. So one performance, she had choked on a little flying bug and then turned around to the crowd saying, what happened never happened before has happened now. I swallowed a fly. (laughs) And all that goes through my head when I read that was... There was an old lady who swallowed a fly? (laughs) I don't know why she swallowed a fly. I think she'll die. (laughs) Yes. Uh, The audience laughed, and they loved her honesty, and from that moment, their popularity had actually soared. Okay. So I find it funny that one little thing like that would just make them bigger in life. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. But word of mouth, especially yep. when you don't have television or yep. social media. Yep. <laughs> um, the family had changed their name to the Trap Family Singers and became the most heavily booked um, act in town. They toured eight months a year, cruising around their family bus all over the continent. <laughs> and little Jonas uh, would run on stage and bow after every performance. He was the youngest, mm-hmm. winning the crowd over with his blonde hair and pl- uh, playful bangs. Hmm. Um, George would join the stage after, clapping his hands and smiling like a proud father. He was the family anchor, actually. Um, so unlike <laughs> the movie, he was the calm mm-hmm. one. Maria was the very well-tempered mm-hmm. person. So I find it really... I was reading this. I was like, what? Because you think somebody in the army, they're a little bit, you would think more stern. Yeah, you'd think so. Not the case. So George was in the back. He was actually caring for the young ones, tending the sick and cooling things down uh, when things got intense, where Maria was kind of leading the Mm -hmm. show. Yeah. Uh, Maria, Maria insisted on togetherness. So when... They weren't performing. The Von Trapp kids were still constantly around each other. They had little time to actually socialize and forge any meaningful relationships without the family or outside of Mm -hmm. the family. And Maria knew that if one of the kids married, it would come to the expense of the family. Yeah, you're going to choir and it would tear the business apart. So she wasn't actually willing to let that happen. Hmm. So she was a control freak. Yeah. Um, Don't want to. Not just a little control control freak. She was like Adolf Hitler. (laughs) That sounds so sad. Uh, Not only did the kids have little contact with the outside world, um, but if they even wanted to strike out on their own, they didn't have the money to do so because they had control of all of that too. Hashtag free Britney. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. 
Okay, so <laughs> not a celebrity that's what person, it, but that's what, yes. it remi- that's what it reminds me of. And actually, that kind of went through my head, too. Like, mm-hmm. whatever. Okay, so in 1945, the publicist named Alex Williamson suggested Maria write a book about the Von Trapps. Um, from their luxurious life in massive villa to becoming dirt poor to rising from the ashes using their voices as a way to replace their rags with riches once again. <laughs> and it sounded like a good idea. Um, she did publish a book in 1949, sold incredibly well. It even caught the attention of a movie producer who offered her a hefty sum for the rights. She <laughs> uh, would agree to it only if she could play herself. <laughs> He refused, and so did she. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is where it come about. Oh, no. Nope. No, 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 no. So during one of the tours in the late, in, in the late 1940s, George fell ill. Um, he actually ended up with lung cancer. Aww. And on May 30th of 1947, at 67, George died. Aww. So the kids were by his bedside listening to his heavy breathing until it just stopped. Um, and they buried him near the house. And then Maria was depressed, of course. Guilt, remorse, consumed with every thought. I mm. mean, it's part of the grieving process. Yeah. Um, she struggled to keep the family together. The kids who were no longer kids by then were young adults in their 20s, 30s, wanted to lead lives of their own. They began resenting her for all the chores uh, she had piled on them. Chores which seemed to have grown because she was even feeling more fear of abandonment mm-hmm. on top of it. So uh, one night, the 18-year-old, their oldest, George's and Maria's oldest daughter, mm-hmm. Rose Marie, she ran outside of the house into the Vermont woods. She thought that maybe she could find relief. And three days later, Rose Marie was found cold, hungry, confused. Marie took her to shock therapy. Ooh. <laughs> um, because she didn't know what God, else to do with her. God, we did weird things back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Um, even though she was 18 and mm-hmm. could have went out on her own, but she couldn't escape from yeah. her mom. Um, so furious, Maria locked her in a room. Or That's the wrong one. Uh, so Rosemary just continued to have breakdowns. And then Jonah announced she was going to get married, and Maria was furious, locked her in a room. Jonah waited just before dawn, climbed out the second-story window, and eloped with her loved one. And after Jonah's departure, it was clear that the Van Trapp family couldn't keep up with the communal lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, so Marie came up with another way to make money. <laughs> she turned the family lodge into a ski lodge. <laughs> hmm. Um and in 1956, after 20 years together, they finally disband because the ski lodge was just too much. Okay. Um, so there was a German fil- film, Die Trap Family, aired in 1956 and became the box office sensation. And Broadway legend Mary Martin uh, saw the Van Trapp story as a golden opportunity. She turned it into the Broadway, The Sound of Music, which mm-hmm. we uh, are aware of. Um, she offered to give her small royalties, which she, which Maria gladly accepted. And then The Sound of Music premiered on Broadway in November 16th of 1959. And <laughs> the only thing that Maria did not like was the way George was portrayed as hmm. angry as because angry. he was not. He wasn't. He was a soft, sensitive, and incredible man. Hmm. So um, The Sound of Music was adopted into a movie, The 20th Century Fox, as we know. Mm -hmm. Um, And she actually pushed the director, Robert Wise, into giving her a part. (laughs) And from the sounds of it throughout this whole thing, there's a lot to the story that I haven't even talked about, but... um, I could see her pushing. Yeah, it. <laughs> she sounds like the type of person who would, who would, you know, definitely. She would want be a, a me. Like it's my story. I need to be in it. Yeah. I don't care if I'm the main person. You get me a part for sure. So, uh, her part was so minor that you could barely tell she was even there. Yeah. But she was in but it. But at least give her the part and shut her up. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So the sound of music. It may not have made her 
or the rest of the family rich, but it turned them into celebrities. Maria was invited to talk shows, interviews, lectures, uh, radio shows. She loved interaction with audience and never tired of giving talks. The Von Trapp kids, they went on to lead their own quiet life. Hmm. Um, they had had enough kids. on the stage. Yep. They were raising kids, enjoying each other's company and peace, but not Maria. Maria was ready to keep traveling, enjoying all of the world she had to offer. Um, and the more people she interacted with, the more places she saw and the happier she was. Hmm. At the age of 82, Maria was buried right next to George in the family plot. That's good. So That's good. I just thought it was crazy. I was reading that. And I'm like, it's definitely a different story than what we see in the story. movie, you know. Or but her life may have not been what we had saw in the movies. But she was fine with it, yeah. except for the fact that George wasn't the kind-hearted man that yeah. she knew. Because <laughs> she was George. Yeah. They, like, flipped they roles. kind of flipped the roles. But yeah. for the movies, I'm that's sure for the movies happens. that Yeah, and I'm sure that just worked better for the, for the story they were trying to tell in the movies. I mean, that's what yep. happens when you license How do you get a headstrong in woman in there who makes them sing happy songs? Doesn't seem right. Yeah. Especially so. in those it, back then. And they weren't you know. even in love, yeah. actually. She married him in the story. She married him because of the kids. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was pretty interesting. Yeah, that is definitely a, a different take on the story, for sure. For sure. The, yeah. Hmm. Cool, cool. Well, once again, you've got a really cool, really educational story, and I I'm going to talk about a sperm bank. Wow. <laughs> wow. Way to... I don't even want to say bring it down because that's not really bringing it down, <laughs> but way to bring it to a lower level, yeah. Alan. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, if you feel grounded by the pandemic or you're just bored. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> not really. Uh, the Human Sperm Bank of Shanghai in China. Oh. They're inviting college students to join a competition. Oh, God. It's a competition to see who has the best semen. And then they have in, to let them keep their In order to promote semen. reproductive health and recruit donors because they are suffering for donors and they'd like more. Um, they're offering up a $1,160 award um, to, to the winner of whoever has the best semen. I feel like nobody's going to win that. This is China, so who knows? Um, but uh, the contest did launch on Jan- on July twelfth. Um, they will pick from you know a, a group of people who has the highest sperm count, the most mobility, highest sperm count and most mobility. That's there's going to be two categories for winners, and that's what they're going to be. Um, they are not releasing the names to the public. <laughs> of course, they're not because nobody is going to win this. I don't know. You never know. China does the have... The only person who's going to know is the winner. And how is the winner going to tell everybody and nobody's yeah, going to know? Who knows? I don't know. I mean, I are no you idea. really going to march onto the streets going, I have the highest sperm count. I no. Can, I, I can think of people in my life who would happily do that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> happily. So could I. Some of them you're related to that. <laughs> I was just saying that. Anyways, studies have shown declining sperm counts among men globally. And although scientists have continued to debate back and forth what's causing the decline, um, China wants to, this sperm bank in China wants to make sure they have the best of the best in stock ready to go. But how do Um, they know they're the best of the best? Just because they have the high sperm count or because they're actually looking at, oh my God, their family history and... And oh my god! Well, they're not worried about uh, whether or not it's going to be necessarily the best of the best outcome. They're just working, looking for the best of the best ch- possibility for a pregnancy, which is high sperm count and mobility are the two things that'll give you the best chance for a pregnancy. They're not worried about what that pregnancy turns into, as far as best of the best. So they all could be degenerates. They could be, yes. Um, recently, Chinese sperm banks have uh, reported general decrease in sperm quality. 
Um, so there's a growing demand for fertility treatment, and some sperm banks have sought to They're encourage donations. They're all going to come out with ADHD running off the walls, and nobody's going to be able to keep any of their attention. It's possible. Um, Dr. Chang, Chen Zhang Fen, a doctor at Shanghai's Renjie Hospital, he's in charge of the sperm bank, he told local news outlet that the contest was aimed at reminding university students to take care of their reproductive health at an early age. <laughs> don't get kicked in the nads, boys. It's not just don't get kicked in the nads. There's a lot more to taking care of your reproductive health than that. Scrub your balls. Um, <laughs> uh, like, what part- the hell? Participants who meet the stringent requirements, including having a sperm co- sperm concentration of greater than 60 million per milliliter of semen, will be invited to be a donor. Uh, donors get a special invite to come to the bank and receive up to the $1,160 in subsidies. So are these people married or single? They're college students. I'm guessing they're single. College, okay. College students. I was going to say... You know, if I was a wife, I'd be like, I don't want some other bitch out there with. But uh, guys don't think about that kind of stuff. No, like, guys don't think about that kind of stuff. Like, oh, <laughs> I get to have a little fun in the office with the <laughs> magazines. <laughs> Heck yeah. I'm not thinking about the fact that down the road I may become married and there's going to be other little ones around me. And what if I don't know who these other little ones are and they meet yeah. the. I've My actually there's future. been a big there's been a big increase in this country, not in China, but a big increase of this country of people donating to private sperm banks, not to sperm banks who divvy who give out your sperm, but sperm banks who literally freeze and hold your sperm for you, in case you need well, your young yeah. if you want your younger sperm later in life. They do that for eggs. Yeah, too. I know. It's this is like a fairly common thing nowadays, but it's just crazy though. Like what? It is crazy. It is crazy. I thought it was a, a, a crazy little story about, you know, getting paid in a contest to try to find the best sperm in China. Well, we're going to move right from sperm to cookie. Yeah. Sperm to cookie. Sperm cookies? I don't know. Gross. <laughs> Gross. I'm not even going to say what ran through my head. It might be a little too inappropriate, but no. Oh, no. I'm going to get inappropriate with the next story, so don't worry. Oh, great. Okay. So... The world's biggest cookie. The world's biggest cookie. Okay. Mm-hmm. What kind of how, cookie is it? How big do you think it is, though? Uh, world's biggest cookie. How big could you make a cookie? Um, like 12 foot diameter. 12? Okay. Yeah. That's my guess. So on May 17th, the day before my birthday. Okay. 2003. Uh the immaculate so like when you were born <laughs> okay you're not quite that young never mind <laughs> the immaculate honestly delicious uh company baked the world's biggest cookie in flat rock north carolina hmm. at 120 feet wide holy and over cow 40 000 pounds holy shamoles <laughs> it turned the previous 80 foot record on its head. That's an insanely large cookie. Oh, yeah. So it started with the great idea that this cookie company, they were going to build a museum for the Folk Art Foundation, uh, the FAF, which provided encouragement, support, exposure to artists working for the folk art traditions. Okay. Um, but they didn't have the money to mm. do that. So <laughs> prior to figuring out how to do this, they were like, hey... So um, it struck Scott, why not bake the world's biggest cookie? But that should get people interested and raise a little money. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, I'd be like, heck yeah. I mean, I mean it's a cool idea. It's, it's a cool idea. Unfortunately, it's a cookie and it's going to go bad. So it's not going to last forever. But, but you can make money off of this. No, you, you definitely can. Yeah, there, you can get people there for sure. People there to donate it's a cool to idea. this donation. It's a really cool idea. I hope it tasted to good. build this thing. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest part was Scott. He had spread the word before he had the faintest clue on how the current biggest, biggest cookie was mm. or how big it was. And then he had to beat it. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have to like get the world's largest glass of milk to go along with it. Oh, Gross. So you can dip the cookie in some Gross. milk. Gross. Stop talking. (laughs) So when a quick search revealed that 
cookie time in New Zealand had baked the 80, 81 foot uh, just a few years before. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had said he was shocked initially. So clearly. Yeah, clearly he wasn't he thinking. He was, he was more along my lines. Thinking, oh, we got like 12 feet. That'll be good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so he decided to kind of press on with this and the goal would be 100 feet. Kay. So after months of designing testing and building the big oven uh gathering forty thousand pounds of ingredients mixing thousands of batches of dough and calling members of the press uh from near and far the big day arrived and so did uh rain and thunderstorms oh that's not good when you're making <laughs> so he that said big. that they did uh wait out the storm laying dough on the pan just after midnight uh, they covered the cookie just before dawn and fired up the oven. How do you cook that? Like, what kind of oven are you cooking that in? It was like a metal thing, and they had something covering over it to kind of keep okay. the heat in. Okay. So some plastic oven. type thing. <laughs> um, and they fired up the oven on the morning. As the morning wore on, though, the masses came to witness this landmark event. So um, here's kind of a diagram. Of a football field with that. Okay. So the local land surveyor took the official measurements of the record-breaking cookie, and then the loaded Scott, and then loaded Scott in the crane, which placed him in the center of the cookie, while uh, Lewis—I'm not going to say the last name right—famed uh, National Geographic photographer took the crane to its highest point to capture the aerial photo above hmm. and then they cut um and sold cookie slices in a special commemorative box for ten dollars each to the waiting crowd that was a good um, idea oh what a good idea well how else That's are you gonna, you gonna raise the money raise yeah, the money because yeah. you got to even make up for building this oven and all those yeah, i'm sure a lot of that canna's donations is probably <laughs> my guess but my head i'm going it might have just been cheaper to just build a yeah. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I don't know how much it costs to make a cookie. Yeah. A 40,000-pound cookie. I don't know. Um, but the crowd, they were eager to get a taste of the world's biggest chocolate chip cookie, and they raised $20,000 towards the museum fund that day. That's cool. So That's cool. It was a ginormous cookie. I'm very disappointed. I don't see any chocolate chips. I'm sure they're there, but they're so small that you can't see them. Yeah, they should have sure had big chocolate like chips. Like they should have had like monstrous, like you, you know, life size chocolate. Should have like yeah, they should have donated like life size kisses, like human size kisses to put on to put inside oh it as chips instead. Oh my god, Alan! Oh my god! <laughs> no words. So when you got your slice, it might have just been a slice of Hershey kiss. Yeah, that's fine. Ah uh, no! <laughs> <laughs> no! Gross. Oh, fun, fun, fun. That makes me want a chocolate chip cookie now. No, no. I'm going to totally ruin wanting to eat in just a second, though. Coconut so. macaroon, that would have been the way to go. You're so going to ruin the way to eat? I'm going to ruin wanting to eat. Um, My next story. Oh. The guy in my next story Was a is not killer. going to the hospital in my last story to the sperm bank. That is not happening. No, he's. He's broke his penis. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What? Exactly. No. <laughs> yes. So this story comes from Tennessee. Okay. Uh, fairly recent news. This happened just the other day. Uh, I don't give a date, but yeah, it's fairly recent news. Um, you'd think this was a Florida story, but it's not. It's a Tennessee story. Oh, okay. Uh, the guy's name is Tyson Gilbert. Tyson. Tyson. He's parked on a Tennessee highway and blocking traffic. Oh. So the police arrived because he's blocking traffic on the highway and tried to just pull him over. I guess he's already kind of pulled over, but they tried to get him out of the car. Uh, and he took off in the vehicle. Okay. Drove away. Uh, the cop, uh, the sheriff, uh, the Tennessee Highway Patrol was interviewed uh, for this story. And he said, when I pulled up behind him and turned on my lights... Uh, he took off. He refused to stop. He was all over the road the whole time. Um, 
he turned off on Old Liberty Road, came to a stop. Old Liberty Road. Old Liberty Wait, Road in Tennessee. 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 He opened his door, and the officer could see that he was naked and covered in blood. He then oh. shut his door and continued driving. I actually I didn't mean to, but here's a picture of the guy. He looks psychotic, yeah. or maybe it's because he broke his penis. Are you serious? Tyson Gilbert had cut off his own penis <gasps> and threw it out the car window. What? <laughs> no wonder what, why he looks so psychotic <laughs> in that picture. Police chased the 39-year-old. No wonder why you gave me the picture before you said that. <laughs> Police chased the 39-year-old's Honda Accord through two counties. At some point during the chase, he severed his genitalia. Authorities said that Gilbert told them that he cut off his penis because he heard voices in his head oh my God. coming from his car radio that told him to do it in order to save the world. The Alexandria Police yeah, Department... that's going to save the world. ...laid down a spike trip strip on Highway 70, and that's how they got him to stop. Oh, my God. The spike strip. So he was going to impregnate somebody who was going to create the world's biggest monster, I'm assuming. That's very possible. I don't know. But um, he has previously been arrested and charged with several offenses. Looking and, at his um, hair, I'm pretty sure he was pretty high. Uh, probably, but yeah. He looks like you had Tyson Gilbert. hair and letting that high. Chopped off his by. manhood and what a dumb threw dog. it out the window. I mean, you're already running. I don't running. need you. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm, you're you're literally fleeing from the police, and that's your thought: is let's cut it off. Like I don't know how that's gonna help. <laughs> like you're in a situation where you're running from the police. How is this gonna help you? <laughs> or you think they're gonna stop and go? Oh my God, we uh, gotta look at that. <laughs> could have been a bag of drugs. Could have been. Could have been. It wasn't. It was just his penis. Mm-mm. Okay, so I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that'd be a fun one. That was definitely a fun one. I <laughs> love the fact that you sprung up the whole, <laughs> the whole. Here, look at show me. Here, look at this guy. Guess what he did? <laughs> I tell you what happened because he looked, he looks pretty out there. Yes, yes, yes. He's, like you could tell he's messed he's up. He's on something for sure. Clearly. Probably many things, to tell you the truth. <laughs> so, uh, my last thing, though, we're going to bring this right back to fun. Fun? Okay. I thought my story was fun. Maybe not. <laughs> it was fun, but it was like, <laughs> it's fun. I mean, chopping off penises and yeah. Lorena Bobbitt. I mean, mm. yeah. I don't know. It was pretty interesting. I think people would have had to seen our interactions yeah. maybe more. I don't know. Maybe it was fun for you guys too, just hearing the reactions. Okay, so I'm gonna do a quiz. Dun dun dun. Uh, recently. Are you we, trying to get out of this or No, I was just gonna me? say recently we recorded an episode at one point and while we're recording you're like recently? you're like, Well, I've got my last story. Well, it's not really a story and the first thing that ran through my head was great, there's gonna be a quiz and then there wasn't a quiz and I was really relieved and now there's a quiz. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. I like to throw those quizzes in there. So this is I love the video game You Don't Know Jack. Yeah, I know you do. Because I love Random useless mm -hmm. facts. Yep. So I have random useless facts, and there's multiple choice. Okay. I'm sure I'll get them all wrong. So you get to guess. And Kay. I just want you to know I only got 47%. Okay. Wrong. We'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> so uh, what was Austria's former name? Bosnia, New Amsterdam, New Holland, or Andorra? Australia. Sorry. It's because I just did Austria, the Von Trops. Sorry. New Holland. Yes. So, what is the name of the medical condition whereby people randomly develop a foreign accent? <laughs> Frenchy flu. <laughs> I know. I laughs laughed at that too. So, Ascentus developes 
foreign accent syndrome or insomnia? The second one. It's the third one. Foreign accent mm. syndrome. Okay. I I guess that too because I was like, oh, it's more scientific yeah, looking. Yeah, that's just what I thought. Yeah, it's plain and simple. Foreign accent syndrome. Okay. So number three. Cabbage contains what percentage of water? 32, 15, 91, 2. 91. Yes. So on average, how many minutes of total actions, total, on average, how many minutes of total action are played in the video games? It's not video games. I said video games because you guys (laughs) all play freaking video games. Okay. (laughs) On average, how many minutes of total action are played in the game of baseball? 30, 18, 60 to 90. Total action? Action. 18. Yep. According to statistics, you swayed. You were excited. You're funny. Okay. According to statistics, you probably live the longest in which U.S. state? New York. And we need to move because our state is not even mentioned. So we need to move. Okay. New York, Hawaii, Maryland, or Illinois? It's Hawaii by a long shot. Yes. We need to move We've been the healthiest state in the country forever. We've been like number two or three. It's because you can go outside and you get your vitamin D and blah, blah, blah. We're always in the top five. Okay. Top five. Mm -hmm. Lack of vitamin D is what brings us down. It does. But uh, the fact that we have a very... Passive aggressive. Yeah. And we have a very a very progressive state when it comes to health care for people. And this is true. That's why. Okay. So what was the first name of the hashtag symbol? Pound pound sign? Mm-hmm. Octothorpe number sign or Z mark? Number sign? I don't know. Octothorpe. No idea. I was like, it's a pound sign. And then I'm like, what? I wonder if my cr- grandparents knew it as the Octothorpe sign. Maybe they did. And because now when they say hashtag, I'm like, it's a pound sign. Weird. Yeah. Time strange. Okay. So what is the best-selling musical instrument in the world? Harmonica, accordion, drums, flute. Harmonica. Wow. It's the cheapest and smallest, so it's going to be best-selling. <laughs> So, how many French fries does the average American eat each year? Holy cow. <laughs> One person. Less than two pounds. Twelve pounds. More than 50 pounds. Thirty pounds. Twelve. Thirty pounds. Okay. That doesn't surprise me. We're America. It yeah, doesn't, surprise doesn't surprise me surprise at all. Me at all. All members of which musical group could not read or write music? Okay. So it's not reading or writing. Yeah, it's it's music. just the music yeah. part. Rolling Stones, The Grateful Dead, ACDC, The Beatles. I'd have to guess The Grateful Dead. I guess them too. It's The Beatles. The Beatles? Okay. Which Bruce Springsteen song is unpatriotic tune about Vietnam War? Racing in the street, human touch, born in the USA, born to run. It's born in the USA. Yep. And three more. Sex therapist, Dr. Ruth, is also skilled at which which profession? Sprinter, pastry chef, sniper, stonemason. Dr. Ruth. She's the best sex therapist out there. She... And she's a tiny little lady. I know. I know who she is. Sprinter. Sniper. Really? Uh Uh-huh. For who? Dr. Ruth Weisermanier was born in Germany to Orthodox Jews in 1928. I forgot she was German. She joined the Hagnath Zionist. I was going to go sniper, but I just kept thinking I thought she was like American. It was Israel. I, I was like, I'm, I thought she was American and we don't allow women in combat. So it's not going to be for us. 
She participated in the 1948 Israel War of Independence. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. So I just in case you had a question like that, I have mm-hmm. the facts with it, too. So in which U.S. state do chickens outnumber people? Chickens outnumber people. There's only one state? Give me the states. Well, of course, there's only one state on this list. Well, I know. I just figured there's... I'm yeah. assuming it's one state. Maybe there's many states. Like, I can think of other of all kinds of states that I think chickens I don't know. It just, people. I'm assuming it's okay. one. So, California, Tennessee, Delaware, Wisconsin. That's tough. I know. Okay, I don't think it's California because there's way too many fucking people there. Even though they probably have a lot of farms too. I don't think it's Delaware because all they do is scam banking over there. Um, So it's got to be Wisconsin or Tennessee. And I'm going to go with Tennessee. I went with Wisconsin. It's Delaware. Really? What is Delaware? What did you just say? They're they're known for like scam businesses. Like it's the easiest place to set up an LLC. That's why everybody's LLC is set oh up in Delaware. Oh my god. Okay. They have like really lax tax laws. So, <laughs> the Rose Plant family. This one should be easy. The Rose Plant family includes which of these fruits? Banana, mango, cherry, papaya. Why should this be easy? Seriously? This doesn't make any sense to me. I guess me at all. I just know too much about trees. And like, you know I know too I know much you, about trees. I know you know a lot about trees, but this doesn't like this doesn't compute to me at all. What were the options again? Okay. Banana, mango, cherry, papaya. Mango. I, really I want to no slap idea. my head, but I know I'm just weird. Cherry. Okay. I had no idea. I know. I d- most people don't know. I know the useless information that people don't know. Like, in my head, I'm going, okay, this doesn't make any sense because, like, a rose, there's, like, a rose bush. But there's not With a banana bush or a cherry bush or a uh, – these are all on trees, not bushes. I don't understand. That's where I – Have you ever seen went. a wild rose bush probably not they don't look like your normal roses Mm. and that's where anyways i'm not going to go into that not all roses look like the traditional roses you think of sure not so it's just what that's how i was trying to get in my head probably the way i grew up i know nothing about i grew up my mom's big into flowers my dad was the tree person well my mom was a tree person she was probably the one that taught me more about trees than my dad but Mm-hmm. I learned a lot about wildlife. So, on that note, I don't know what percentage you got. <laughs> but that was the end of it. I had like six right, five right, something like that. I have that. no I clue. Know. No idea. Either way, it was fun. It was, it was, I like to be able okay. to quiz you every now and then just to kind of see. So, you got a few that I got and you got a few that I didn't get. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. And I got a few you didn't get. Yep. So of course. It was fun. I love being able to. Next time I think I'm going to have to do a uh, know about Desiree. Mm. Oh! And then I'll have to make sure I have other people that can back that shit yeah, up. Yeah, because I know you're just going to be like, well, I get to. It's about me, so I get to tell you the well, answers. And yesterday that may have been true, but I changed my mind today. No, 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 no. Because <laughs> even in this, if you look. I have bolded the correct answer. Yeah. I bold the correct answer. So I would do that before I even did that. So you could guess it. I hand it to you and be like after the quiz because then you'd see all the other answers, of course. But I would have I would bold it so there's no changing it after you answer. Because I know. If your least favorite part of high school was pop quizzes, you can let us know. Just send but me these an email. Are fun pop quizzes. <laughs> Just send an email to Outlandish with Outcast all the questions you want me to throw com. at Alan, <laughs> and I will gladly throw those pop quizzes at him because that is fun. You've never done a pop quiz on me, and I'd be like, "Let's do this." Yeah. Really? I don't know. I don't really look at quizzes ever. I know. I don't ever look at quizzes online. That's I'm not your one of these problem, people who not looks mine. At online quizzes. It's your problem, not so. mine. They're fun. They're fun. Useless facts. Best thing to know. So. Wait. 
you already did something, didn't mm-hmm. you? Did you go to the emails? Anyways, yes, I, my, I know my first move is Facebook, so we're just going to go there. So definitely uh, message me, DM me on Facebook, because we don't want Alan to see it because he doesn't look at that crap. Yeah. No. So uh, yeah, I won't Facebook, see it anyway. It's, I don't go there very often. That's what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> so you can post it very publicly i still won't see it you don't need to you'll probably see it don't listen to him he's just trying to get the answers um but definitely follow us there share our stuff like like comment or dm me with some fun random useless facts because yeah. i would definitely love to compile a bunch of stuff and throw it at him yeah or you can also follow us on twitter at outlandish casts i do follow that one and get notifications so you know that one I actually do follow because it's our oddball and you I'm an oddball. follow it, but I still am the one that posts. <laughs> yes, but I actually look at that one. <laughs> Otherwise, you can follow us on Instagram at Outlandish Outcast Podcast. Definitely love us there and leave any comments that you would like. Or you can leave a rating or review in whatever podcast application you are listening to this right now. Reminder, I am the funny one. Yeah, you think you're the funny one. I don't think I know. Okay. I don't think say things unless I know. Mm, okay. And if I do say something and I'm not positive, I do question it right away after I have said it. I'm sure we've got like 100 episodes of stuff where there's something you weren't positive about. And I've probably questioned <laughs> it right after. Like, you know, maybe. Mm, yeah. Anyway, have a good week, everybody. Bye.